0: Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon. Today we've got a very obscure Disney production for you. Sarah and I reviewed this back in 2020, around the same time we reviewed the Latin American films, because Sarah loves history, and victory through air power is chock full of that. Victory Through Air Power is one of the most obscure animated films from Disney, mainly because it wasn't made for the entire family, and it wasn't even intended as entertainment. This is more of an animated documentary-style film, and was actually made for the express purpose of influencing the war effort during World War II. And as such, it's easy to see why it's kind of been forgotten about and is not counted among Disney's animated canon. Okay, Victory Through Air Power. One of the most different movies we've ever watched for this show.
1: It's a bummer.
0: Uh, Yeah, kind of. And from what I didn't know was that this is actually based on a book. I had no idea that this was based on a book, but apparently Walt Disney read this book by Alexander DeSavarsky probably butchering the pronunciation but it's in the movie so if you watch it you'll, yes. know, you'll know who i'm talking about yes
1: a very knowledgeable russian man
0: yes he he's actually in the movie as well so he wrote this book he apparently he was like mentored by this guy general billy mitchell and the movie is dedicated to this guy who he apparently foresaw the coming conflict and he talked about the way planes were going to be used and Nobody listened to him, so basically the book was written to try and make people take his ideas seriously, and then the film subsequently as well.
1: And just to be really specific, he foresaw World War II. I know not everybody is going to necessarily... I mean, if you're watching, if you're listening to this podcast, then you probably know when World War II <laughs> happened, but... Yeah. 1939 through 1945. Mm-hmm.
0: But apparently the pl- planes weren't used quite as much before this movie. Like, in World War One, they were used, but not to the degree that apparently Alexander de Saversky thought they should be.
1: I mean, honestly, okay, it starts with the history of aviation, and I mean, which sounded like it wasn't maybe totally, completely accurate, but I think it was a helpful
0: Yeah, Yeah, it may not have been, like, completely comprehensive, but it was enough that you kind of got the gist of...
1: And really, the gist, one of the things you can take away from this is just how much war pushes the development... Of the technologies surrounding Mm -hmm. aviation. And honestly, from the early 1900s through 1945, it's kind of ridiculous how much technology exploded.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that surprised me the most about this, was just seeing how fast technology progressed from the first flight all the way through to the time period that this was made.
1: It's the age that we're in. I mean, kind of... You have the Industrial Revolution, but really, I don't know, the the 1900s, just such an explosion of knowledge and development. Human Mm -hmm. nature hasn't changed, but, you know, the things that we're tinkering with have. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: So anyway, around this time, Walt Disney read this book. This is about the same time we were talking in the last podcast about he had a couple of flops. At the time of this movie... It had grown to three. Pinocchio, Fantasia, and Bambi had all flopped and had all cost a ton of money. So, basically, he couldn't afford to do much. So, he really, in a way, cut corners big time for this movie.
1: But he couldn't afford to do it, period. It was totally Walt style to be like, I have this vision, we're doing this thing. Mm -hmm. Even if we're just running on gas.
0: And that's basically what they were doing. And... Unless you're, like, really looking for it, you can't tell that this is a much cheaper film. No,
1: I mean, you can read technical explanations of how they simplified it, but for a layperson like me, Mm -hmm. I don't get that impression.
0: And I wasn't really paying attention the first time we watched it, but I watched it a second time when I was, like, doing my notes and getting ready for the podcast, and I could tell that there was, like, really limited animation, but the way they did it... It was basically so that the layperson couldn't tell. Like, they used very limited background, and because most of the animation is airplanes and bombs and things, like, when the airplanes are flying, it's just the airplane moving. There's It doesn't need, there's no limb movement like you would for people. When the bombs are falling, it's just, the bomb is falling.
1: But there was some detailed animation, and it was said that um, one of the, Articles that you sent to me—that they would have been more prepared for that because of the detailed animation that they were doing in, say, Bambi and Fantasia. Mm-hmm.
0: The the detailed animation there was people at the beginning with like the history of aviation, and then there's a whole thing at the end with like an eagle. There's so there are character animations here and there, but for the most part, it's maps and airplanes and diagrams things that don't really need a whole lot of animation and they were able to i guess hide the fact that they didn't need to animate a lot just by the very fact that it's airplanes they don't have a lot of movement to them if they're just going overhead you can basically just copy the same frame over and over and over again Mm.
1: one of the things that i found interesting was the struggle that they had with the live action because they had so much airplane noise outside of the studio. I mean, it kind of reminds us of us trying to record in a totally less dramatic way <laughs> of just how much, you know, they're recording at night. Mm-hmm. They're having to try and work around Sversky's handicap because he's missing a leg and, mm-hmm. and there's his whole war history. And But historically, this is an extremely interesting film and the story around it because it very likely changed the history of the war it did change the history of the war Mm -hmm. and it probably changed the long-range history of aviation that might be too big but i doubt it because this film actually influenced winston churchill Mm -hmm. and fdr And it made FDR want to commit to long-range missiles. It is probably overreaching in the fact that he is presenting all of these ideas like like they're fact and everything. But I really feel like this came from a point of deep concern with Mm -hmm. Walt. And a genuine desire to help the people and help the country. It's like he read this... In my in my mind, in my heart, I think that he really wanted to put this out there so that he could help the American people win. Mm-hmm. And they made it in such a way that they're saying, okay, if we keep trying to use these tactics, we're basically going to exhaust ourselves and we're going to lose. But he keeps infusing it with this hope, like, but if we do this thing, we can win and it's going to save lives. You know, it's going to save American lives and and it's going to be great, and, you know, insert eagle flying majestically. (laughs) So it's really something, I I mean, and I never knew that Disney had this influence through this film. If it had just been this Russian-American military person writing a book, I don't know how much notice... FDR would have taken of that. I don't think
0: that there was a whole lot of notice before this film, because the film is what got this guy, it gave him a platform.
1: I could see him just being a voice with many others, Mm -hmm. putting out military ideas, but to have Walt come in with all of these visuals and make pro and con arguments that are so strong and... Yeah, and, and like I say, it's still infusing it with hope. Mm-hmm. It, it's just really interesting, and then that the that the British would take an idea that was put forth in that cartoon and actually make it, and it was called the Disney Bomb. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I never knew. No, it's not no. the focus of documentaries. Mm-hmm. Not that I mean, there are so many aspects to World War II. So this was. It's just, this is a very interesting little rabbit hole. The film did, it kept making me want to cry, honestly. Especially towards the beginning, because you start out with this amazing, very innocent invention. And it just shows this very slow progression of, oh, in World War II, they weren't fighting with each other when they were flying. And then next thing you know, they're shooting at each other with pistols and then machine guns. And it's just... We're, people are so good at killing each other and taking that creative power and killing each other and I'm not, you know, I'm not wearing a daisy crown right now and saying, every war is wrong and everybody's bad that engages in war. I Someday there will be no war, but for now there is and I think it's okay to be sad about it. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you watch this and you're a sensitive little person... You may feel sad And I think for people watching this It would be so easier for them To feel like yeah American we're gonna go take down the bad guy And, and there was so much Creepy ideology And so many bad things happening That yes things needed to be stopped So I'm not saying You know America shouldn't have <laughs> Stepped in and Helped rescue it just makes me sad
0: mm-hmm.
1: Another thing You know, looping back to some of the simplicity of the animation, they were really, really starting to run out of money, probably feeling really time pressured. One of the things that you notice about this film is how they talk about hitting the source where the supplies are being made, Mm -hmm. which is very, very intelligent. But they actually, and it's interesting towards the end of the film, like earlier in the film, they're focusing more on Germany, but towards the end of the film it's really focusing more on defeating Japan, which is kind of interesting considering that there was victory in Europe first and then victory over Japan. But one of the things that's striking is when they're taking down these production centers or supply centers, the whole, you don't see any dead people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I can't help but wonder, like, I really doubt that that was for the simplicity of animation. I think, well, there are two thoughts that I had. If you had any younger audiences, like if somebody brought in Little Timmy, that's going to be more palatable. But also, I think it would be far easier for people to stomach and still feel patriotic and hopeful if you don't see a bunch of people getting blown up. hmm So I really think that that was on purpose. Like, it helps to make it seem, you know, more clean. Like, oh, we're just going to take out their supplies and it's going to be so much better. But
0: there are people working in those factories.
1: Exactly. And it made me... See, another interesting thing about this film is while you're watching it, I really like that it's during the war. hmm and so they don't have the conclusion of the story. Mm-hmm. And you have this perspective that is, is really in the war of the war, trying to win the war. And there's no allusion to nuclear warfare because as far as the world is concerned, this is not a thing. At the time, they were probably working on it, but it's not a thing. And they have that whole diagram showing how bom- how big the bombs mm-hmm. either would get or could get or were and it made me want to look up just how big the nuclear bombs got because the biggest one they showed was 10,000 pounds and quiz what were the bombs named that were dropped on japan
0: i know i've heard this but i can't remember right now
1: the first one was little boy the second one was fat man (laughs) Okay. Not Batman, Batman. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know why they necessarily had that much of a difference in the titles because they were both huge. Little Boy was smaller, but it's just interesting to think to think about, you know, while watching this and afterwards. I mean, cover your children's ears. I just. Think about hearing about somebody wandering along after the nuclear attack carrying their eyes because the explosion had literally knocked their eyes out. And it's so dark and it's so raw. And when you think of the people being subdued, you don't think of something like that. Mm -hmm. happening and little boy was dropped on hiroshima and that was on purpose they had purposefully so so you know disney has this whole you know kind of cleaned up version of warfare
0: Mm -hmm. well i don't he probably had no idea what they were doing with the nuclear project well
1: i'm just saying well, he he had a concept of what war would look like, I'm sure, yeah, beyond but like, that, but...
0: <laughs> you can tell from, like, the bomb sizes that they were talking about being just potential that they had no idea how big they were actually going to be when they were...
1: Well, okay, it, Little Boy was around 9,700 pounds. Mm-hmm. And they purposefully chose Hiroshima, and they purposefully didn't bomb it, they were keeping it for a bigger impact for when they dropped the bomb on it. And it was flat land, so the immediate casualties were were actually bigger than the second bomb. And that was, for anybody interested in dates, that was August 6th, 1945. 66,000 were killed, 69,000 were injured, and out of that total number, 20,000 of those were soldiers. So the civilian casualties far exceeded. Mm -hmm. And then for Fat Man, it wasn't actually supposed to be dropped on Nagasaki. They had a different target, which I don't know how to pronounce. (laughs) It looks like Kokura. But there there wasn't good visibility due to, I believe, fire raids. And they ended up switching to Nagasaki, which was their second choice. And that was August 9th, so it happened pretty quickly. And the casualties were a little bit hazier on that. But that, that bomb weighed ten around 10,361 pounds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, it was bigger by hundreds of pounds, but still not like thousands.
0: I still think that in this film... The way they were talking about how they would be used was completely different than nuclear warfare. Like, I don't think they would have even... I, maybe they would have had a concept of what nuclear warfare was, but the way they were talking about it was using the bombs basically to create earthquakes and take out dams, not wipe out major which, civilian population centers.
1: Which someone said that Siversky was either prophetic or well-informed. As far as taking out dams, so that's mm-hmm. obviously That was happened. something
0: they did later too.
1: Um, but I just want to say, sixty to 80,000 people were killed, mm-hmm. either immediately or long term. And I just want—I want to be dark about this. I'm not saying that Disney is a bad person. I just would like to point out what actually did happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's—I think. You know, the long-range missiles, I think it's a good idea. And if you can target supplies far more than people, I'm definitely for that. So that whole concept of trying to save American lives and and hit it at the source, it's very good logic. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely one still in the brains of people today, (laughs) thankfully. But I think while this is sad, it is relatively safe for kids. Like, Mm -hmm. like if you, I think if you wanted to use this as an educational film with some addendums, (laughs) you probably could. The thing that felt the most like propaganda to me was at the end of the film with the whole battle between the octopus and the eagle and everything. For the most part, well, and uh, people would not like them calling them Japs, would they? No. Yeah. So that that happened in this as well. Um but at the time I'm sure nobody was offended by that.
0: Well, nobody like um
1: the American side. side.
0: <laughs> I, I really think they probably didn't care what the other side thought.
1: Sure. Oh, and this is also not necessarily part of the film, but I thought it was very interesting. In the second nuclear bomb, one of the areas that they actually did hit and severely impair, it was one of the places that had supplied either machines or weaponry that were utilized during the Pearl Harbor attack. Mm. Which I thought was very interesting because I mean, that does feel like justice. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad the war is over and that we can visit these countries, but I thought it was interesting that that blow was dealt at the time.
0: (laughs) The end, basically, is, like you said, it's probably the most propaganda-ish. They have the eagle fighting the octopus, which, obviously, the eagle is America, and the octopus, it's over Japan, but it's like, I'm not sure they were saying that the octopus was Japan because the tentacles of the octopus were reaching into all these other places.
1: I think it was Japan because they were talking about, you know, Japan having control over these islands. And if you try and get at them through these islands, the difficulties that would ensue. Mm -hmm. So I think the idea was strike the head and the tentacles will let go of these other areas that they have taken control of over.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I wasn't sure if the octopus necessarily was supposed to be exactly Japan. Oh, or I, think was... so. <laughs>
1: okay. I think so. I think so.
0: But yeah, and they... didn't you
1: see the nefarious look in its eyes?
0: <laughs> well, I wasn't sure if they were using it as Japan and the like the Axis forces.
1: I don't think so. Centered I feel... in Japan. I feel. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, it's,
0: I'm probably thinking about it too much. You probably would Japan, say that's Because they it, really but.
1: dealt with Germany separately, it felt like.
0: Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I guess we'll just say the octopus is Japan. <laughs> but that's where it ends. The octopus dies. Its tentacles get out of all the different places that they were holding on to. Like, all the little islands. And there was, like, weapons and things. So... Yeah, that's the end. The eagle flies away, lands on a flagpole, it's all patriotic, (laughs) and that's the end of the movie. Oh, I guess there was also that whole thing right before this. Like, it started out, like, the the final scene started out, when you said that part of it made you want to cry, I thought you were going to talk about the end, because it was like, that's where it seemed like the most violent i guess no because there was all the bombs and
1: no really i think this well i don't know if that made me want to cry at all actually <laughs> because the thing that was saddest to me was just the development yeah, of warfare and, and the loss of brotherhood and and kindness and innocence and mm-hmm. not that humanity has ever been i mean you know we've we've been fighting a long time <laughs> so you yeah. know
0: But yeah, there's the whole thing where basically they're talking about the U.S. forces laying waste to all those factories and things. And then it turns into the eagle fighting the octopus.
1: Which, another thing, they were basing this out of Alaska. And I hadn't noticed when they are flying out how there's... I did notice the totem. And, you know, I figured, okay, they're indicating that this is Alaska through the totem. But it was pointed out that there's an eagle on top of it that looks kind of like the American eagle. Hmm.
0: Huh. Yeah, I'll have to look at that. That's interesting. So,
1: just a little nugget. I don't know if it means anything, if it was on purpose. But if you watch it, then, you know, maybe keep an eye out for that. But it's towards the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then that is basically the end. So... If you're interested, the film barely made back its production budget, which you kind of figure. So, basically, this movie was another financial loss for the studio. Not just because it barely made back its production budget, but, like, with this film, there's no marketing opportunities. So, like, you can't make stuffed animals out of the characters. There's no way to market this beyond just being a film. So, Um,
1: and... It didn't need to be replayed that much. I mean, there's only no. so long the war went. So but it's, yeah. I,
0: I really think that Disney really didn't care about that. He made this for a purpose, and he got what he wanted out of it. He Yes,
1: it was totally successful for what he wanted it Yeah. for. He, if you influence two of the greatest, two of the most powerful leaders in the world mm-hmm. to come over to your side through your film, you accomplish something.
0: <laughs> yeah, and... That it sounds like that happened, and
1: I bet it boosted morale in mm-hmm. the country. I'm sure there were a lot of people wandering around. There were probably a lot of people wandering around, wondering how on earth are we going to win this thing? And have somebody come out with a brief film that's like, this is how we can do it. It probably sparked a lot of conversation.
0: Probably, I'm because something like this, the ideas I feel like are a lot easier to get across through animation than they are to read a long
1: yeah heavy book like how many people uh, in that day and age even if they care a lot about the war are going to sit down and read a military book
0: yeah no probably not a whole lot
1: they'll read their newspaper and go to the movies and yeah all that stuff
0: Mm -hmm. the one of the things that i found most interesting reading about the film later was that this was actually even beyond being influential in the war effort this was influential for the disney company as a whole because this was the beginning of them creating educational films because if you look back at the history of disney before this they hadn't really done a whole lot but after this they started making like military educational films they did stuff for schools apparently even for factories and it all started with this film and i just found that really interesting that it kind of changed the course of where the company went for a little while.
1: Wasn't there one called something like Preparing for Death? I don't know. I mean, it sounded, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was four soldiers during wartime, but if I thought this one made me sad, <laughs> I probably shouldn't watch that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that was, I just found that interesting.
1: A lot of interesting stuff around this. And they did reuse, like, originally the History of Flight was meant for another project and they did reuse that in what a film collection or
0: i think i think i read that they used it in some other their anthology tv series because disney would reuse like shorts and things in wonderful world of disney so i can't help but wonder ha- how
1: many people out there might actually be familiar with that part of the film but not with the mm-hmm. rest of us
0: yeah because the beginning of the film is basically a normal ish disney
1: short right it doesn't take long to get into the war stuff but yeah yeah Yeah, and you commented while we were watching this that it felt longer than the amount of time that we had been watching it i don't know if we were a half hour in
0: yeah we were only about halfway through and i was like i was thinking we were probably about at the end but no it just felt long
1: probably because some of the content's just a little bit heavier Mm Mm-hmm. so it's
0: not quite as entertaining as Cinderella or some other happy yeah. disney movie. Yeah,
1: it's just not I I do I would recommend this. I would definitely recommend this as very historically interesting. Yeah. At the beginning mildly entertaining, but you know, it's it's serious subject matter. So, Yeah.
0: I would recommend it as something educational about history.
1: And definitely, if you're a World War II buff and you're not familiar with Disney's trip to South America and mm-hmm. this film, this these have both been very interesting. Yeah. So yeah, those are those are my recommendations. Just, I guess, know that there's a little bit of racially sensitive content, and
0: yeah, we recommend it with caveats.
1: <laughs> which you know, which I you
0: should you probably should know you would know going into something from that time period, there's probably going to be stuff that wouldn't fly today, but...
1: Yeah, I guess depending on who's watching it, how to approach the subject matter. Like if you're showing it to... Say you wanted to show it to a 10-year-old, maybe explain to them that we don't call them jabs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, have the talk. Or just think before you watch, I guess, which is probably some of the best advice for anything, so... (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: I think those were most of my thoughts. Yeah. Keep your tissues handy and your Wikipedia cross-references and dive in there.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I think next time when we get into some more Disney films...
1: we're going to watch something happy.
0: <laughs> yes. We're going, we're going to be... Technically, we already are in this era, but we're going to be in the war era, which... Sounds heavy, but the films that we're going to be watching aren't heavy. Basically, during the war, like we are like we've been talking about, Disney had a bunch of flops, lost a lot of money. To save money, they made films that were basically just a bunch of shorts strung together. So there's four films coming up. Some people count Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros as part of these. Package films, I guess they're called. I I guess they are, but I kind of count them as their own little tiny subsection because of the historical value of them, the significance of them. But the next four, they're a bunch of shorts that are all put together that have like a different theme, like their stories or music. There's two that are specifically sort of fantasia-ish, but not classical music. Just uh, music is a Common theme in that. Kind
1: of like Silly Symphonies where yeah. it's a story put to a song.
0: Yeah, a bunch of Silly Symphonies packaged into a full feature. Hmm. So there's going to be four of those.
1: It sounds like something I can handle. Yes,
0: yeah, a lot l- lot less heavy than what we've been watching.
1: Which no regrets.
0: Yeah, no. We,
1: we need both in life.
0: Yeah, but we're going to get into a lighter area. Yeah, Even though it was made during a heavy time. It's lighter content.
1: Yes. Okay. Sounds good.
0: Okay. Right, so I guess we will see you whenever that comes up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.